This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show, a man who would never wake up in the middle of a field and not know how he got there, Ryan Nelson. Justin, I gotta admit, my self-conscious also says, oh no, the idiot is back up when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> Trust me, I, I'm not sure if that's my self-conscious or if that's my wife doing that. So. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started a few months ago, thank you for continuing to listen and making us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about our first entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Episode 1 of the Disney Plus show, Moon Knight, titled The Goldfish Problem. If you are new or a regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the Main Attraction Podcast, and you can get Patreon-only content. You can support us at a $3, 5 10 or $20 level. And if you can't be a patron, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on air next time we record. Both of those things go a long way in getting the show in the ears of new listeners. All right, as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about Moon Knight, the first episode titled The Goldfish Problem. Before we get into the show, uh, let's just talk about the MCU in general real quick, since this is our first foray into uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are your thoughts? How, what has been your experience so far in the 14 years of the MCU so far? Uh, really enjoyed it. I think I've seen everything except the cartoons that are on Disney. and Well, right. and uh, the Spider-Man, that one's... I saw the... The Spider into the Spider Verse. I saw that. That's the only right. cartoon. That's fantastic. Okay, but yeah, lo- yes, love love the movies from Iron Man on. Uh, you know, big fan. Not a comic book reader. Uh, I keep up with everything, but I don't go full deep Easter eggs on everything. But I, I keep up pretty well. So I would say I'm a pretty uh, normal fan that has kept up with everything. Enjoyed most things. My personal thing. Let, let me just go and take this. One of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into it, was to obviously talk about all types of different movies and television. But this was the main goal for me. I, this is my thing. This, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it has become my obsession. It has become the thing that I love more than anything else in the entertainment world. I, I am so just completely enthralled with the MCU. And here's the thing: I just when it first started. I wasn't that into it. Uh, when it first began with Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, I loved that movie and I thought it was great, but the ones that came after it, I just wasn't... They were they were good, yeah. but they weren't great. I mean, Iron Man 2 was not spectacular. Uh, the first Thor movie was... <laughs> I'll take it, that is your opinion on the first Thor movie. The first two. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The second one was all was not good, uh, but uh, Hulk was, was not great. Uh, Captain America, the yeah. first Captain America, it, it was good, but it really found its footing once we got to Avengers. And honestly, the first event, all those movies, I didn't see in theater. I, did, I, went, I started going to the theater for them for the for the Avengers, and that's what the movie that got me into saying, you know what, I'm going to go to movies by myself, even though I can't find somebody to go with me, because uh, that was one that I did that on. Uh, but yeah, I have just been so completely enthralled with the MCU. Every time they come out on 
Uh, I, I'm now going to the theater every single time. My son has become a huge Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, so uh, he kind of had this time period where he didn't really care that much about movies, but now he seems to be back, and he's that's the only thing he cares about is MCU stuff, so uh, we've made it a, a point to go see the last few MCU movies that have come out, and the shows have just been absolutely blessings to me because it keeps my MCU junkie self. Uh, it gives me my fix every so often. So, uh, like I said, I absolutely, this is this is my thing. This is the thing that I love more so than anything else that's out there. And I was going to say, uh, the thing that Marvel did so good was they added in these other characters besides the original Avengers, like Guardian of the Galaxy is one of my right. favorite movies. I love the Ant-Man movies. They're, they're some of my favorites. Yes. Shang-Chi was fantastic. Was just I, I really loved it. The Eternals, we'll just move on. Uh, yeah. But then Moon Knight, here's another character I do nothing about, and you know it, it's been great. So that's that's why I think they've been able to be even more successful because they've brought right. in these shows that we are characters that most of us didn't know. Yeah, they have. They brought in a lot of people that a lot of characters that weren't just the well-known favorites. And here's the thing: they kind of had to. I mean, let's this gets. We'll get into the kind of the bolts and nuts and bolts of the, of the business side of stuff because what Marvel has right now, at least with the MCU, they had to work out a deal with Sony because the the top dog in all of Marvel entertainment is Spider Man, uh, and he all the rights, all the movie rights to the Spider Man franchises are owned by Sony. So if they wanted to bring him into the, the MCU proper, they had to work out a deal with Sony. And that's the reason why Homecoming. Uh, Far From Home and uh, No Way Home, you will not find them on Disney Plus because they are not technically Disney. They're not owned by Disney. Uh, but So they had to work out a deal with that. They also didn't have the rights to the X-Men up until recently. And those, that's, if, when you're talking about they're like the pecking order, they're next. Uh, so the fact that this is being as successful as it is because, look, I'll be honest with you. When Iron Man came out, one of the reasons I didn't go see in the theaters because I thought it's a movie about Iron Man. It's going to be dumb. I mean, I, nobody knew who Iron Man was 14 years ago. Then Robert Downey Jr. puts on the suit, and everybody knows who he is because he does such an incredible job of that with that character. And, and it just kicked off what was a juggernaut, and uh, it has not been the same since. So, like I said, they've done great with characters that most people don't have that big of an attachment to. Uh, so it's just a testament to what Kevin Feige especially has been able to do because he has orchestrated this whole thing and he is the guy who has made this entire thing work. And it's just one of the... I know a lot of people like Martin Scorsese say it's not cinema, but this is a great cinematic achievement in what he's been able to do. So Yeah, I love Scorsese, but come on, man. Yeah, but, I know. But also, <laughs> we got to give a lot of credit to... Robert Johnny Jr. and John Favreau, because yeah. if they had not nailed it with that first movie, this this doesn't happen. Yeah, I, it probably it could have. I would say this, but it it made it a lot easier for it to get off to get the, off the ground running with the, the success that they had with that very first Iron Man movie, uh, because it was so important in getting it established. Like I said, nobody I, I didn't care about an Iron Man movie when it came out, and so I never go went and saw it in the theater until. Uh, and I finally saw it on DVD. So, like I said, it's it was he was a, he's like a BC list character in in comics history. So, uh, let's go ahead and talk real quick about the previous Disney Plus shows. Uh, real quick, if you were to give our if you were to do a ratings based on our rating system, where would you put Wandavision? Um, let's go Lost. Lost. Okay, that's where I'm going with it too. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. A very low Lost. I go a high friends. Oh yeah, that's where I'll go with it. So we're we're pretty close on those two. Uh, Loki lost. 
For me, it's again, that one's a Game of Thrones. I, I love Loki. I love Loki. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I absolutely loved it. Uh, let's see. Last one, I guess, is Hawkeye. So where would you put it? I would say Game of Thrones for Hawkeye. Like, that was the one really? that surprised me the most. And I, if I really yeah. thought, it, I, I, I probably, if, if I had just watched Loki, I probably maybe would have gotten to a Game of Thrones. It's just been a while since I've seen it. And I really, okay. really liked it, too. Yeah, uh, I would probably go. I don't know, lost or Game of Thrones for, for Hawkeye, but the surprise factor is, is a big is a big thing with with Hawkeye. And if you want to hear more about uh, how surprised we were with Hawkeye, you should go check out become a patron and go check out our Patreon only exclusive podcast because we talked about the debut episodes for all of these shows in our most recent one uh, this week. So. All right, so let's go ahead and get into Moon Knight. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit before we actually get into the show. How familiar are you with the character? What's your uh, what's your knowledge level? Just like Blutarski's GPA in Animal House, 0. 0.0. <laughs> 0.0. 0.0. Well, all right, so I, I'm pretty familiar with him. Uh, I haven't read a ton of his stories. I've read some of them. Uh, I, and also, once I found out this show was coming out, I really did a deep dive into him. Basically, the... When he was started, I think his uh, first comic he appeared in was like in 1975, 1976. And the, the what Marvel was trying to do, they were trying to get themselves a Batman, is what it was. Uh, that I don't know if they ever actually officially came out and said that, but I mean that's basically what they were trying to do. They were trying to get a Batman type character, uh, and that's what Moon Knight was supposed to be. There's a lot of similarities into the way that they uh, work the characters. Uh, but that was the purpose. But <laughs> Moonlight is basically Marvel's living galaxy brain meme. You know what I'm talking about when I say the galaxy brain meme? Uh, I think so. Explain. It's it. the one. It's the one where like you have a it, it, you have this brain and it's like not really acting that much. There's not that many. There's not that many snaps going off, and you have this idea. Then like the second picture, it's a little bit more lit up, and then the third picture is like exploding with lights. And okay. All that yeah, stuff. yeah. 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 All right, so like the first frame of the of the Moon Knight meme would be the origin of how he actually came in. So basically, it was a guy who was, uh, and actually, this is what we're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, Stephen Grant is not actually the main personality in uh, in the actual comics. Uh, Mark Spector is so, but Mark Spector is this mercenary who knows how to use all these fake identities. It was never this multiple personality uh, dissociative identity disorder. He never had that in the original, and they just but he was able to. Uh, just kind of change identities. He had all these like uh, passports and fake IDs, all that stuff, stuff, so he could get access to wherever he needed. And that was what the original thing was. And then, like the second frame would be when it's a little bit more lit up. I was like, okay, let's give him dissociative identity disorder. Let's actually make these actual personalities. Uh, and then the last thing is like. He doesn't even know if it's real. He doesn't even know if he's real. I mean, so they have changed the way that this character has worked repeatedly, and they seem to be kind of settling in on that second one where he actually has a dissociative identity disorder, which used to be called multiple personality disorder. Uh, so he is he has evolved a lot, to say the least, throughout the course of the comics, and that's kind of where we are now. So, uh, But, yeah, there are a few different identities of, of Moon Knight. Let's go ahead and kind of talk about them a little bit. What did you think of Stephen Grant? Stephen Grant was... Uh a lot of fun to watch. Yes, he was. Uh, Oscar Isaac's eyes are just insane. <laughs> the yes, way he, he was just bugging them out, like it was, mm-hmm. it was just crazy to watch. Uh, Oscar Isaac is mostly known for very dramatic roles, but he right. shows so much charisma 
and personality in this role and especially as someone who's having some you know mental disorders like right. you, you you felt like he really was suffering yeah you you did you felt like he was going through some stuff and you know, you, you feel bad for this for Stephen because he keeps showing up in these weird situations, uh, situations he is not well equipped for, to say the least. Uh, and he's just trying to make the best of it. And whenever he wakes up into whether it's in a, the Swiss Alps or uh, in his own bed, whatever it may be, uh, you, you really feel for Stephen Grant. But he gives way to the second one, which we don't really see a whole lot. But what is actually the main identity in the comics i'll be interested we'll talk a little bit more about this uh mark specter we do see him a little bit but what did you think about what little we saw of mark well it was good to see mark because it was oscar isaac's actual voice yes it was (laughs) (laughs) which i kind of which kind of keys you in on the fact that yes this is mark is the actual uh person not the he's he's the main identity he's not the the secondary like uh you would think so, which is an interesting take on this, but we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, there is a third one that they don't, uh, that from what I understand is at least in the, in the screeners that people have, uh, whenever I've read some reviews about this, uh, his name is Jake Lockley. He, apparently he has not shown up in any of the four screeners that they sent out to uh, critics. I'll be interested if they put him in it at all. Uh, but obviously we also have uh, Khonshu, the Egyptian God of the moon. Oh, wonderfully done by F. Murray. Abraham. Oh yeah. If, you, if you were, if people were wondering who that was, what did you think about old Kanchi? I really enjoyed him. Uh, I liked the, the the voice was just was just really good. It actually reminded me of some of the voices you would hear in Loki. Yeah, it kind of did. It really it really did. And I just loved F. Murray Avery. Yeah, I didn't I did realize too. he was in this. I, I had no idea that he was in this at all. So when that voice came, I was like, that sounds really really familiar. So I did a quick Google search. I was like, oh, that's F. Murray Abraham. This is going to be really really good. Uh, but yeah, he's he's doing a spectacular job. I mean, calling <laughs> calling Stephen Stephen the idiot, the parasite, yeah. and all this fun stuff. So uh, you can tell he's not real happy with the situation that he's in when Stephen's in in control. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, like I said, in the in when we're going through the identities, the character of Moon Knight, he's kind of like Batman. That's kind of what they started this character off as. Uh, but Mark Spector is the main identity, and when you we saw him in the actual show, you could tell that that by that very end of the scene, you could tell, or by the end scene of the show, you could tell that this was actually Oscar Isaac, the one that we're accustomed to. It's not the guy with the British accent that we're not really sure about. He's not just kind of acting all spacey, spacey and all that type of stuff. You had a really confident Oscar Isaac on screen in that mirror when uh, you actually see him. Are you surprised that they went with a heavy Stephen Grant arc to start? Not really, because they've got to... They didn't want to give... They obviously were trying to they were trying to introduce you to how bad this guy's disorders are. Right. And they were trying to give you a surprise ending about, you know, what Moon Knight was. Uh, So I I was not surprised. I I enjoyed it. Uh, I wouldn't want this whole show to be like this. I think it would, it it would get old, but I I thought it was a lot of fun because it was, there was a mystery involved, especially for people like myself who know nothing about this. So I was like, okay, what what is going on here? Yeah. It, it, Trying it's to a mind trip, at Yeah, and I did notice something the second time I watched. So at the the first scene in his bedroom, if you look underneath the bed, you see his mm. white boot from the Moon Knight suit. Oh, do you? Yeah. I, I did not notice that. Interesting. Huh. 
I'll have to go back. Well, I, I watched it. I did actually get a chance to watch it twice. I didn't think I would, but I did. I'll see if I can catch that again. Uh, but one of the things I think that the reason why I think that this works is because there is a lot of brutality to the character of Moon Knight. Uh, he is going. They have said that they have pushed the limits in terms of keeping this PG thirteen, TV fourteen, whatever you want to call it. Um, but by going with Stephen Grant and by doing this. From his perspective throughout the course of the first episode, what you, they were allowed, what it allowed them to do is to keep the brutality of the character intact and still keep it on, make it a Disney Plus friendly type of violence. Because like when we're in the Swiss Alps, uh, one of the times after he blacks out, he wakes up again and there's these dead bodies around him. Uh, and that's something that, you know, these blood, you know, they got all the blood on him. He's got a ton of blood on his hands. That's not something that we would have actually, if, if they had gone with Mark Spector and tried to actually show us all of that, then I don't know that that would be, they'd be able to keep it as, as family friendly as they would like. Uh, so we still get an idea of the brutality of what this guy is capable of, but we still are keeping it in the Disney Plus family. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the things I like. And, you know, I think when they're really going to let him loose is what we got at the end there with him pummeling that jackal, which is a, a, a an image we've seen repeatedly throughout the course of the trailers and all that type of stuff. But I think that's where they're really going to let him go loose on the screen is when he's doing this to non-humans, uh, to CGI characters or stuff like that. I think that's when we'll see him just let loose on uh, things. But it'll be interesting to see how they kind of balance that. Uh, because like I said, that has been one of the big talking points as this show has gotten ready to debut, that this is going to be a much more... Uh, brutal show. It's going to have a lot more. It's going to have more violence. Uh, so, measure, how do you how you keep that in line with what they want to do on Disney Plus? Because this is not Daredevil. Uh, yeah. he, he also gets he also gets uh, compared a lot to Daredevil, to say the least. Uh, but it's not Daredevil. You, you, they don't want this to be a mature audience only thing. They want this to be available for what they've always done for for the most part. So I'll be interested to see how they how they handle that. Well, I hope this works with the violence part because I want them to bring Daredevil back. <laughs> yeah, I think. I'll be honest with you, I kind of think that this is going to be a a testing ground. Yeah. And honestly, this and I meant to mention this earlier. This is being called a limited series. This is the, we're only getting one season of this. My my guess is they're going to take him directly to movies after this uh, because we'll get the one season, and then I think they expect this to be a pretty big hit for them. Uh, and after that, they'll take him straight into movies. I mean, they got Oscar Isaac, who's a pretty big star, who's oh, yeah. become a much bigger star recently than than he was probably what seven eight years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, but he's he's become a pretty big deal, so they'll. I really think they want to export him to the movies as quickly as they possibly can. So that's the reason why I think they're just doing just the one season. Doesn't mean they can't necessarily bring it and do a different another season later on. But as for now, it's just do they're just planning on doing just the one season. So uh, the chaos of this episode. You kind of talked about this. Just how disoriented were you, especially not having a real good history of the character? I was very disoriented, but I'm used to that with these shows, especially the first right. couple episodes. So I wasn't like taken away from it or, you know, or right. it, it didn't make me want to not watch. I was just, I was interested. Right. And really because of the other shows, I think that helps a show like this. Yeah, it does. I mean, if anything, you know, WandaVision is as different as it was. It proved that it was going, it had a, it had a direction. It had some place it was going and you had, and you could trust them especially based on everything that they had done previously with all the movies. But uh, it was a very different type of show to start with, WandaVision was. And they proved that, okay, if you just 
stick with us. And if you trust us, even if you don't like this, we're going to pay this off for you. We're, this is all going to make sense in the end. I think they're doing that with this show as well. Uh, I was listening to the Watch podcast, which is one of the Ringer podcasts. They were talking about how Oscar Isaac is, you know, he is kind of like going full Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura or The Mask, where he's just just saying, you know what, I'm going to go full uh, full 100%. I'm leaning into this weird character. And he really is. I mean, yeah. Oscar Isaac is just absolutely dynamic on screen and when we're watching him in the show i I agree with you and that's a very good comparison about going like full jim carrey or like you know in the mask or uh the the other movies and oscar isaac was wasted so badly in those star wars movies yeah he really was i mean i'm to this day i'm still surprised that he he was in those because i mean it it wasn't really they did they didn't really utilize him that much at all especially in the middle one i'm not sure he was even was he in the second one yeah he was in all three but like not not a big part at all yeah he had had very very small roles they they tried to make it a little bit bigger than the third one but it it didn't really work so uh but yeah like i said he's just been absolutely fantastic and whenever you have a hero you have to have a villain God bless Ethan Hawke. Yes. <laughs> this, this is such... I haven't seen Ethan Hawke in, in a long time. I don't remember the last thing I saw him in, but he's got such a long story to uh, illustrious movie career. Uh, the first thing I ever saw him was in was Gattaca. I don't... Oh, no, no, no. no. Uh, he's a dead post. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he? Yep. Oh, yeah, he was in that. So the second thing I ever saw him in was uh, Gattaca. But he's just been around forever. What? What's your favorite Steve, Ethan Hawke movie? Because there's a lot. Wow, man. That's a great... I mean, you know... He was fantastic in Training Day with Denzel. Yeah, I mean, he held his own with Denzel. I mean, he got nominated for an Oscar himself. Yeah. He didn't win it, yeah. but he got nominated. And then, I mean, Dead Poet Society. He was the biggest uh, children or child character, the right. the teens. So, I mean, that, um, man, I'd have to go look through his IMDb to think about it. But, yeah, he's, he's a guy that has always been fantastic. Oh, I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan. I never saw Boyhood. uh I never yeah, but um, he's j- just an incredible guy. I liked him in The Magnificent Seven. Anytime he works with... Uh, oh, yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? Antoine Fuqua, who's the director yeah. of Training Day and Magnificent Seven. Like, when they, they work a lot together. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's just one of the best. And, man, does he look good. I think he's 51. Right. And uh, him and Oscar look about the same age. But they really do. But I was going to say one more thing about him. You know, a villain is going to be an issue when his opening scene he puts glass in his shoes and starts walking. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Now, that is absolutely. It was just this weird thing, but it establishes the character so so very well. I mean, we know exactly what this character is going to be like when he does this. So it, I, I loved what he did with it. I loved everything he. Uh, just the entire portrayal. I don't know if you did any reading on on what he was doing, but Ethan Hawke, somebody asked him, he was in, asking an interview, you know, was it ever your plan to be a villain in a Marvel movie? He said no, but uh, Oscar uh, called me up one day and said, hey, you want to come uh, film this fun thing that we're doing out in, in Europe for, uh, for a few, few weeks? Uh, it's it's going to be in a Marvel movie. He's like, heck yeah, that sounds great. And that's how he ends up getting in this movie, I mean, in this uh, series, is because Oscar asked him to. Uh, and he ends up... You know, doing this and what he's doing with the character i don't know if you saw this but he has based the character on david koresh i i Uh, I heard that and i can you can definitely see it after you hear that yeah you really can you know something i always wonder i don't know if this is true or not but obviously this character arthur harrow 
he believes in his own stuff. He believes in the spiel that he's selling. I don't know if most cult leaders believe that or not, but he obviously does. And what's interesting about this character, Arthur Harrow, when you look at the comics, he was in one comic. <laughs> that was it. That was the only time that he appeared. And he has a very different take on this character than he does in the comics. But the, the through line for this is they are trying, in, in both the comic and in this show, they're trying to get rid of something. Uh, and they're doing it to just these extreme degrees where it makes them a villain. So in the comic, uh, he is a scientist. He is a doctor who has some type of condition, I can't remember, that like has paralyzed his face or stuff like that. And he's in constant pain. So what he's trying to do is he wants to rid the world of pain, but the way he does it is like Nazi-level tactics. Uh, he like experiments on people and do, does all that type of stuff. Uh, even at one point in the comic, I think the comic that he appears in says, uh, the Nazis didn't go far enough. Oh. Uh, so that's uh, so that's the comic character. Uh, but obviously in this rendition of him, he believes that he is trying to get rid of evil. He's trying to rid the world of evil. That's what this whole Amit thing is. Uh, so it's an interesting, like I said, that's kind of the through line. They're both trying to get rid of something. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see how they play this out. But just, I mean, Ethan Hawke, it's really hard to upstage him, but Oscar Isaac, with the role that he's given, is upstaging him. At least I think he is. Yeah, I would agree with you, but Ethan Hawke is doing a real job of just, you feel his presence every time he's shown. Yes, you do. And I love how, like, whether it's walking through the crowd or when he shows up in the in the museum, he's just kind of like moseying along. Yes. But he walks with such confidence and like owning the room wherever he's right. at, which Ethan Hawke probably does wherever he's at in real life. This is probably not him acting. It's probably Ethan Hawke's actual walk. But just like when he walks in, he's just bringing this presence with him. And like, like I said, you could almost feel his energy, you know, through the screen. Yeah, you really can. I mean, it's just, it. I don't know, it's really, it, you do a really good job of describing it, but yeah, it's one of those things where you see him on screen, you know that he's on. He's in the room. I mean, even before he shows up in that little town in the Swiss Alps, I mean, you can tell the people are already entranced by him, and he's not even shown up on screen yet, uh, but they are totally entranced by whatever it is that they're, that they're walking towards, and you find out that there's Arthur Harrow at that point. So. And you know what else I love about his portrayal, and I, lo- I love villains like this? He was, he was always calm. Yes, he was. He never he screamed, and he was just like, just the way he would talk to his henchmen and everything, he was always calm. Right. Yeah, and it would, it's going to be interesting to see what we get in the second episode, because obviously he he gets to Stephen Grant, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, and he does the, the whole judgment thing that he had done in Swiss Alps with him, and then he gets... Uh, we don't see what actually shows up on his tattoo, because when he did it previously, a green like light showed up on that tattoo, or like a red mark showed up, and it would, he, would, he killed that uh, older lady. But we don't see that. The, pan, the camera pans up, but he lets Oscar go, and then later on that night, that's when the jackal's unleashed on I honestly believe that he didn't want the jackal to kill uh to kill Stephen. He wanted he wanted Khonshu to be to be unleashed and he wanted Moonlight to come out because he, he knew something there was something greater after doing taking through that judgment thing and he wanted to find out. So I guess we need to talk about Ahmed a little bit. Well, it, let me ask you one more thing and then we'll get back to that. Do you think he's going to end up being the main villain or, or somebody else? Or is this like a, uh, what is it called? A, a red herring? 
That is a good question. Um, and is it Mephisto? <laughs> <laughs> is it Al Pacino? Oh is it always Mephisto? Uh, you know, I think it's... I, I could see him being the main villain, unless they're... Unless they like... I think what they're going to try to do is they're obviously trying to... Uh, he's trying to un- awaken or unlock or whatever you want to say, uh, this Egyptian god, Amit. Uh, that's obviously his plan. I guess the question is... Are they going to actually successfully do that? And there's this big showdown with, with him or with her, excuse me, or are they just going to leave it with him? So that's a good question. I, and I just don't know yet. I don't know. What do you think? I think he's probably going to be the main one, but I wanted to bring up, and I'm uh, to everyone who hasn't listened to every episode, we just, we, Mephisto was uh, first, yes. <laughs> first uh, mentioned. Uh, rumored way and, back in WandaVision. Well, WandaVision, and it was supposed to be Al Pacino playing the part. And then yes. every show he is rumored, and at some point that it, it seems like he has to show up. So I, I was, I, I I was wondering if he was actually. I'm sorry, I was wondering if Ethan. I mean, if Hera was actually the villain or for someone else. But I was I, I was kind I of joking so. about Mephisto. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know you are. But uh, but yeah, I kind of think I think he he will be the end of being the, the main bad guy. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they go a different yeah. direction. Uh, but the it's interesting because like they, they kind of done some different things with it. Like they brought in uh, Jonathan Majors at the end of Loki for for one episode. They brought in. Uh, Vincent Nofrio for for one episode. Yeah, in because it looked like Tony Dalton, Jack Duquesne was going to be the bad guy, the the stepfather right. in Hawkeye. He was not. He actually right. was kind of a hero. Yeah, he, he kind of was. He was a weird. Hero, yes, he was. He was, he was. I love. I still love that character. Man, yeah. I love that character. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, I'm interested. I'm glad you mentioned that because I haven't really thought of it. But one thing I thought that was interesting about this episode so far, and I don't know how much it's going to stay true. If you didn't know this was part of the MCU going into it, you wouldn't know it coming out of this first episode. There is no mention of Thanos. There's no mention of the blip. There's no mention of Sokovia. There's no mention of Ultron. Uh, there's no mention of Tony Stark and Captain America. They have not mentioned anything else that is associated with the MCU in this so far. Well, and like you're I said, right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, good, a good catch by you. So, like I said, I'll be interested to see if... They keep that up. Uh, look, they're eventually going to tie it all back together. I, I firmly believe that. I don't know if, how they're going to do it, but they, they will. They're, they're not introducing this character, like I said, with just a one-season thing. They're not introducing him and then never going to pull him back out again, especially as what they kind of, from what I've read, they've got plans for this guy. So uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they do tie it back together. But this first episode, it's it's like he's his own, in his own little universe, which we know is not true, but it, it kind of seems that way to start with. So uh, so what were you going to say about Amit before I rudely oh, yeah, yeah. interrupted you uh, with Mephisto talk? <laughs> no, you did not. But, uh, but yeah, uh, so Amit, I, I had it looked up now, I've done lost it. Uh, but Amit is the guy, what is she the goddess of? Because I, like I said, I had it pulled up and I closed it by accident. Uh... Well, let me pull that rack up in. What is Amit? All right, so she's the... Uh, she is... Oh, okay, so she's the uh, personification. She's like the goddess of divine retribution. Uh, and that's kind of what they're talking about in this is that she judges people based off of not only what... Not only what... Uh, they have done, but what they are going to do. And that's one of the things that he talks about in, in the episode. So, you know, it's this idea of can people be punished? And this is honestly, this goes back to a, a, a Tom Cruise, maybe a minority report. Can people be punished for something they haven't done yet? Uh, 
so like I said, I'll be interested to see how this plays out. Uh, it's one of those things that makes, you know, what's so wrong about wanting to punish people who are evil? Because that's what he says he wants to do. He wants to get rid of evildoers. It's this whole idea of how are you doing it? Well, he's killing people for like, uh, like this old lady at the beginning. She says, I've done, I've lived a good life. I've been a good person. He says, I believe you, but maybe it's something that's, that's, that Amit knows is about to come. And, you know, that get, takes into this whole idea of, you know, if we could stop somebody from doing something evil, would we do it? Uh, so that, that, he even mentions, you know, uh, Amit could have stopped Hitler. And, you know, if, if you find Hitler, if you go back in time and you find Hitler as a baby, do you kill Hitler as a baby to stop everything that happened? So it's one of those weird questions, but I'll be interested to see how they, how they play that out throughout the course of the season. All right. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Anything else about this you want to talk All about? All right. So you've piqued my interest with this is a limited series. Yes. I, I'm going to ask you something. Is this the intro to the Fantastic Four? Ooh. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, I think that they're... I'll be interested in how they bring the Fantastic Four in. They could, I guess. I mean, I could see the, some weird Egyptian ceremony or ritual or whatever they do going through. Yeah, I could see them, them doing something like that, but I think... I just want to know what the, I get. This kind of takes us to jump to this way ahead, but I, I just want to see what, what they're going to do with with Doctor Strange uh, in in the multiverse. Of I want to know what they're bringing in with it. I could see that happening more with it, especially because uh, Richard Reed is part of the Illuminati, which we think we saw part oh, yeah, of it that's right. in in uh, the trailer. But who knows at this point? Because they could they could just be throwing his red herring in those trailers for for all we know. Uh, but I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to introduce something. I mean, they introduced, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, Kang, even technically he was called he who remains in that, in, yeah. at the end of, of Loki, but it's, it's Kang for all intents and purposes. Uh, so it wouldn't shock me, but I don't, I don't think so. Okay. So I got a couple other things. Uh-huh. This was another one of these many shows and movies we talked about. The use of music was fantastic. Yes, it was. I'm glad you mentioned that. I meant to mention that earlier. But yeah, yeah. you're right. The music choices were spectacular. Yeah, the, the Bob Dylan to start out, was, and that's a mm-hmm. song I really didn't know very well, so that was, that was good. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't heard it at all. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Engelbert Humperdinck. That was the song the, mm-hmm. the, the, that they kept playing over and over. And then we got Wham! <laughs> in a car chase. <laughs> in, in a cupcake truck of all things. Oh, that was, that was so good. So, yeah, another another show uh, that's really using the music well. Yeah, it really does. I mean, and it's just so interesting the way that a lot of these shows that we've talked about, because we've talked about quite a few that, that use music in, in unique ways, to say the least. So, yeah. uh, all right, so I've got some questions as we go forward. Uh, we'll see if you think can think of any as well. Uh, obviously, I think the first one that comes to mind is, uh, what's the scarab for, and how? What's Harrow's plan for it? Because he's got that little bug-looking creature in his hand that's uh, that Harrow desperately wants so badly. So, uh, we'll be interested to see how that plays out. Another one. This is uh, from a uh, storytelling perspective. Will the show continue to tell the story from Stephen Grant's perspective? Or are they going to switch to Mark Spector? Or are they going to like do one episode with Stephen, one episode with Mark? How how does the storytelling element play out in the rest of this in this show? That's one of the things that I have questions. I, I've, uh, I've wondered that as well. That was that was a question that I had written down. Uh, the other one is now that they've revealed the dissociative uh, identity disorder p- part of this, and we know f- for a fact, you know, if, if people who aren't familiar with the character, now they know that this is a uh, uh, a disorder that he's dealing with. 
are we actually going to see more of the flag sequences, which I can't imagine that we wouldn't, but just how much more, I guess, is, are we going to see? Those, those are my three big questions. What about you? I had one. Uh, are we going to actually see how he actually surrenders to the body? That's true. Yeah, that's that's a good one too because we haven't really seen that at this point. We kind of see his eyes kind of glitch a little bit, yeah. uh, but that's but that's about it. We don't really see much beyond that. So I'll be interested to see that as well. Yeah. So that was that was my big question. All right. So do we want to do our weekly awards? Let's then? do it. All right. So if you are new to the show, we haven't done this in a while because yeah. we haven't done a we haven't done a weekly thing in a while. Uh, but we don't give our season awards out until the end of the season. So this is our weekly awards. We have three awards that we give out whenever we're covering something week by week. Uh, our first one is the Tyrion Lannister, which is the MVP of the show. Uh, who was your Tyrion Lannister for the first episode of Moon Knight? It's Oscar Isaac. Yeah, it is. It's it, This show would fail without him. Uh, there could be some episodes that Ethan Hawke steals. Right. But uh, overall... We needed him to set the tone of, and, and to, especially with how much Stephen Grant was shown. And, right. and he really, he really did that. And he really showed us that he can play all these different characters. Yeah, it is going to be, it, it's going to be, uh, Oscar Isaac. It's going to be very difficult for Ethan Hawke to rest, wrestle that away just because of the role that Oscar Isaac is having to play. Look, Ethan Hawke was amazing in this opening episode. He wasn't in, he wasn't on screen a whole lot, but when he was on screen, he was dynamic. He was charismatic. He was, you're, you were drawn to him, uh, just like his followers were. Uh, you can see, I mean, he does a really good job of, of convincing you that these people would want to follow him. Uh, but, Oscar Isaac is having to play just this incredibly difficult role, and he's pulling it off in Gangbusters. So, uh, like I said, it's going to be really difficult for for uh, Ethan Hawke to, to steal one, but he could. He's uh, just as good of an actor as Ethan Hawke is. So, All right, your Agatha all along. This is your best scene in the show. So what was your Agatha all along for the first episode of uh, Moon Knight? So we kind of talked about this a few, a few minutes ago, but to me it was the chase scene. With, yeah. with Wham playing, I, that was just yeah. so much fun. <laughs> I loved the going yeah. back and forth, and then right. like, and then at one point he was driving backwards, right. and Wham was just the perfect needle drop for for that yes. scene. It, it just it just made it so much fun. Yeah, I just went with the whole uh, scene in the Swiss Alps. I went with that whole thing uh, where he first wakes up in the Swiss Alps all the way to the point where he wakes up in his own bed. Uh, I would just encompass that entire thing, so mine includes yours as well. Yeah, uh, just. I love the part of the scene when he first meets Arthur Harrow and he's got the scare of he's trying to hand it to him and Oscar Isaac is doing just such a good job of making it look like he's being controlled by Khonshu uh, at that point when he's trying to have it taken away from him. Uh, so just absolutely great performance and a great scene. Uh, I absolutely love that. I, I can't get enough of that scene. I, I, I could watch that scene by itself. All right, so our last one is the If You Come With The King, You Best Not Miss, the best line of the show. What was yours? So this one was, there was a lot of humor in this, but there wasn't a lot of great lines. Right. So mine was, uh, how do you like your steak? And the waiter says, and Oscar Isaac uh, says, good, very good. And the waiter <laughs> says, well done, it is. <laughs> Yes, that was funny. I'm glad you mentioned that. I kind of forgot about that. I actually went with a little bit more, something more serious just because I wanted to 
I thought this one was really important. Uh, this is the point when Arthur Harrow has tracked Stephen down at the gift shop, and he's getting ready to uh, judge him and with that with Cain, that little tattoo thing that he has. Uh, he says, uh, she, referring to Amit, are weary of having to wait for sinners to commit their crime before punishing them. Would you wait to weed a garden until after roses were dead? Because this the reason I thought this line was really, really important is because it's giving us an, a, the true idea of what exactly is going through this character's mind. This is the type of villain that is probably more terrifying than just somebody who just wants to go around killing people. This is a guy who thinks he's justified. This is a guy who thinks he's righteous. Uh, and those are the villains that you really want to are, that really terrify you because you know they will stop at nothing to do what they're trying to accomplish because they do believe they're right. They do believe that that what they are doing is being blessed in this instance by a goddess. Uh, so that's like I said, that's the reason I went with uh, that one. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and rate it so far. Obviously we only have one episode. We can't rate it completely, but we do have a rating system here on the main attraction podcast at the top of our uh, list is a game of Thrones. Just underneath game of Thrones is a lost in the middle of the road is a friend's. Uh, just Below Friends is a full house, and at the bottom of the barrel is Baywatch. So far, where does the first episode of Moon Knight fall for you? I would say a loss. Yeah, I'm saying a loss, too. I think it has plenty of potential to get to a Game of Thrones. Uh, I think it has that potential, but we've got to see some more. we got to see, we got to find out, you know, how are they going to tell this story? we got to see what elements they use, how they are, you know, how do they... Uh, how do they mix in both Steven and Mark? Uh, how do they mix in? How, do, how much of Moon Knight do we get to see? Because that's that there is one there is concern out there that people from people that we aren't going to see a whole lot of Moon Knight. Uh, so you know those are the things that I think we need to have to establish. But what about you? What, yeah, you know, I, what will it take? I agree with you. I think I think if Moon Knight, if we get a lot of Moon Knight, I think it could get to Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think so too. So. All right, before we wrap up this episode of the Main Attraction Podcast, we do want to give our listeners some recommendations. You got any recommendations for yeah, our got, listeners this I'm week? I'm going to do three. Okay, So the ahead. first one, uh, the wife and I went and saw The Lost City, starring Sandy okay. Bullock and Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt, and it was just a blast. We laughed. It was, it was just a really fun movie. I, I would recommend it. Uh, I know it's getting good reviews. So if you're looking for a fun date night movie, or you could go by yourself. It's, it's just a fun movie, so I, I definitely recommend The Lost City. Uh, my second one is The Dropout on Hulu, uh, the story of Theranos. And, um, man, it's it's really good. Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth mm-hmm. Holmes is just incredible. And I'm so glad she got this role because at one point Kate McKinnon was going to play this role. And oh, really? she, she would have – Kate McKinnon's too funny. This, oh, okay. Yeah. And she's probably a little too old. Uh, Amanda Seyfried is mid thirties, but she pulls off a twenty year old or in the twenties. Right. So she does a really fantastic job. And the finale is this week, so I, I've really enjoyed this. And then my last recommendation is uh, go see the artist that you want to see in concert. Uh, sadly, we lost Taylor Harkins, the drummer yes. of the Foo Fighters. I've actually seen the Foo Fighters uh, a couple of times. They're one of the best bands you could see live, and he was a big part. And I can't right. tell you how many people told me, man, I wish I had gone and seen them. I could have gone a couple of times, and I didn't. Uh, multiple uh-huh. people said that to me. So don't be that person. In fact, I could have saw Tom Petty one time, and I didn't, and he died a few months later. Oh, wow. So, you know, make sure you go see the people you want to go see. Get those bucket yeah. lists taken off. 
All right, so I've got I've got two that I'm recommending, one that I'm not recommending, and I have not even seen the one I'm not recommending. Look, if you are, since we're talking about Marvel, if you plan to go see Morbius, don't, okay? <laughs> don't go see Morbius. It Look, I know it says Marvel on it, but this has to do with the whole stupid decision by the Sony when they bought the rights for, for Spider-Man. They didn't think any of the other Marvel characters were worth buying, so they just bought Spider-Man, and they realized now they made a huge mistake, so they're trying to milk those rights for as much as they can. Morbius is a Spider-Man related characters so they have the rights to him and that movie is already at like 17% on Rotten Tomatoes it, it looks awful and it's getting awful reviews so look like I said I haven't even seen it but I'm going to tell you don't go see it it's going to be bad uh, they did okay with Venom when they kind of, when they were trying to milk some of that those rights they did okay with it those two movies weren't bad uh, they, they were even kind of good kind of good yeah, I enjoyed them. I mean, they were they were they were seriously flawed, but they were enjoyable. Um, but this one's not going to be good, y'all. It's, it's not going to be good. I can promise you, it will not be. So don't go see it. Uh, but my two things I'm recommending. Uh, first, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, Fresh on Hulu. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good. I'm not going to say much more than it, but just to watch it because if I try talking about it. It'll ruin it for you. So uh, go see Fresh. It's got uh, Sebastian Stan, our favorite Winter Soldier. Uh, so so go go see it. It's good. Uh, it's listed as horror. It's really more creepy than anything else. I'll be honest with you. I don't do horror. I don't like being scared. Uh, but this is, it wasn't anything that scared me. It's just just this. It's just a creepy film. So uh, like I said, I don't want to say too much about it because it could give it away. So. Uh, the other one I'm kind of recommending. Uh, I saw the first f- episode of Halo. Finally, it, it was good. wasn't great, but if you're if you're a fan of the game, if you played the game, uh, you might want to watch it. Uh, I didn't play it that much. I've heard a lot of people who uh, that they didn't they kind of took away from the game. I don't know, but I, like I said, I liked it. So uh, it, it's not a great. It's not like something I'm just dying to see. But if you need something to kill a little bit of time and. Uh, it's good. It's good. got some good action and stuff. So I was going to say, uh, I never played Halo, but I saw where <laughs> I couldn't believe I read this, that the showrunner said something like, well, we didn't even look at the game when we were creating this, you know, the story yeah, and he, stuff. I was like, okay. And he, cl- he clarified that, uh, cause that apparently that quote was taken a little bit out of context. Oh, okay. Uh, but cause I, I saw on Twitter where he, cl- he clarified how that quote was not really representative of what he actually said so uh so it's not quite as bad as it, as it sounds uh but yeah it's it like i said i enjoyed the first episode it wasn't like it wasn't spectacular but i liked it so all right uh, i guess we're going to get ready to head out uh the midweek episode this week guys if you have not seen it go watch it it is on apple tv plus it is coda it just won the uh, oscar for best picture it's the last thing people are going to remember, unfortunately, from this year's Oscars. Oh, no. uh, but uh, but yeah, it was the best. It was the, it won the Oscar for Best Picture. So go watch it. We are going to be discussing it in our midweek episode. So Ryan and I are about to sign off and go discuss that right now. But until then, do you want to say anything to our listeners, Ryan? Go watch Coda. You're going to love it. And then I'm yeah, also you, going to say, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, you will love it. Uh, but thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I will echo those same sentiments, and until next time, may all of your entertainment dreams come true.